that feeling when something is pulling that rug or flying carpet or whatever it is from underneath your feet you just don't know whether you're gonna float stand tall fall over or sink or swim it's really hard to swallow it's it's kind of like all I want to do is survive this is the deep in the weeds podcast I'm Anthony Huckstep Food allergies and dietaries have become a staple part of the offering in the hospitality sector. As people have become more adventurous with food, the amount of ingredients and products that some can't eat have increased too. It's given rise to a whole new sector in the food industry. Vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, wheat-free and many more. It's so prevalent, it's given rise to quality manufacturers making products as good as what some may consider the real deal. But just as many had discovered the right recipe for success, a pandemic arrived and shook things up. Rowie Dillon is the owner of Rowie's Cakes, award-winning 100% wheat, gluten and dairy-free cakes and desserts. Rowie, how are you going? Very well. How are you, Huck? I'm good. Thanks for joining us. We've been in touch a little bit during this time. And you told me that uh, you feel like you're a little naive when the pandemic started compared to now. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, kind of. I read back on the original email because I think we touched base at the end of March when I'd put a story on my Instagram about closing down one of my new factories that we'd just opened in Mascot and we'd only baked in it for 10 days. And I think at that particular time when all of the staff, we left and I came back to film that on my own and I had wobbles in my voice and got into the car to drive home. I think then compared to now, and even in the emails that I've sent you over the period from, because it took me from March to May to actually reach out to you because I was actually emotionally going through a whole lot of stuff of caring for my team and wondering about the future of my business and I think back to then and then I think to now what I've got planned for today, tomorrow and the future, I'm a different, I'm in a different space now. I feel like I've learnt a lot through the pandemic if that makes any sense to you. Absolutely. And I don't feel as bleeding and raw as I did way, way back at the end of March. Well, a lot of things have happened since March for you. Um, Can you take us through uh, some of the things that you've been doing and uh, maybe we can also have a look back at sort of what impact it had on you originally as well? So I've actually been doing a hell of a lot of mood boards. (laughs) I've been drawing pictures and um, writing stories and anybody that knows me knows and even my staff, as soon as I pick up a piece of paper in a meeting and a pencil and they go, here she goes again. So I don't think I've actually spent such a vast amount of time at home since I was about three years old because I've always gone to school or worked my ring off. So, (laughs) Um, But I've been baking and cooking at home. Um, that's been really cathartic for me. Um, so I've been looking after my team 
my staff have and are incredible humans. I can see it in their faces. I think the first day that we came back here, um, which was in May, to see their faces, it's like they were back in their family home and we all just sort of looked at each other and then I came upstairs and started crying. So they've they've been incredible. Um, half of my team are on JobKeeper and we're coming in twice a week for four hours um, for two days, yeah, so we can continue, you know, to keep our baking mojo going and so the team feel better and we're only baking for one customer at the moment, which is Harris Farm Markets. It's very, very different to baking for airlines, both domestic and internationally, for all their special meals and baking lots of cakes and bread rolls for high-end restaurants and the ICC and such. So, Well, let's go back before the pandemic and, you know, what what was the business at that time and, you know, it was very successful before the pandemic. You'd know, been working on it for a long time. Um, can you tell us sort of where your food was being um, sold and, and the state of the business before the pandemic? The core business of Rowie's Cakes at the, well, was um, being in-flight catering. Um, in-flight catering for people with special dietary requirements, which you touched on briefly before. Um, and my relationship with the airline has been ongoing for over 15 years, um, where we've sat down and we've basically turned the special dietary requirement category of in-flight catering into its own new world where people will sit there looking at the person with the allergy problem on in flight and say, oh, I want that veggie burger that you're eating. That looks really good <laughs> um, compared to the little quiche that they're eating. So I've worked really passionately and hard at making sure that um, everything we produce for the airline is wheat-free, gluten-free, dairy-free, egg-free, nut-free, soy-free. That was my initial brief and that's still the brief and all I have to do is I've got to innovate. So that's basically the core of what our business does. And then all of from there, um, you have people in restaurants who want um, a gluten-free and vegan bread roll. So getting a like-like for what you might have a, you know, a little milk bun and then you might want something that's like like that vegans can eat and people who are gluten-free but not only that the the core of Rowie's cakes and the fact and you all know because you've eaten my product at the growers markets and stuff and so have you have, so has Rob um everything we do at Rowie's cakes does not taste bland or boring it's far far freaking from it it's <laughs> actually beautiful it's got my name on it so it's got to be good um the cakes are beautiful so the bread's beautiful and um it's yeah it's um just a shame that we've sort of there's a big difference between fifteen hundred dollars worth of sales a week and one hundred and fifty thousand. can you tell us how quickly that stopped with the aviation clients uh, and and how it played out. So 
how COVID started for me and how it all, how quickly it stopped, it basically was overnight because um, we work on a lead time. So we've sort of got all our orders in a couple of weeks before. So we're not, you know, calling away in the kitchen. Um, so had our orders in, we knew, you know, what we were producing, etc., etc., And then we always keep a par level in um, the freezer because we distribute around the country and over to Singapore on a, a weekly basis. So, <clears throat> so might have a holding of 30K finished stock and then we've got orders in for, say, another 50K and then all of a sudden overnight we got phone calls the following morning, cancel that order, cancel that order, cancel that order. So cancel, all those orders were cancelled. I mean, what can you do? They're in the same predicament as us. Um, and then you've got to deal with the stock on hand that you've got that's got a use-by date that you've got to try and ship out. But then all of a sudden the reality is that there were no customers. Everybody had stopped. What did you do with that stock? Well, I've been helping Fass at his soup kitchen over in um, at the Banksia Hotel every Monday, handing out some Rowie's Cakes products, mousses and brownies and et cetera. And then we've also been... Um, supplying some special dietary products, some bites and <clears throat> brownies and stuff to um, the hotels in the city that are looking after people who have um, come in through quarantine, um, that are quarantining for two weeks. And basically we've been baking to order for our new launch, which happened just prior to COVID, we started in February with Harris Farm Markets and it's good to see those weekly sales increasing actually, um, which means we're getting traction in the retailer, um, which is great. What's been some of the challenges through this period for you? There's challenges on a personal level as well as on a professional level. Um on a professional level um, and being that I'm a little bit of a holistic boss, I'm nothing without my people. And seeing approximately, so we had 21 staff, we've now got nine, including me, um, that are on JobKeeper and all those other staff that are international students when you kind of are international on international visas when you kind of try to explain to them that they can't get job keeper and they can't get job seeker and yet they think Rowie's Cakes is like their home um, and why can't you help me? And then I try to explain. I spent about two weeks trying to assist those staff to, um, to decide whether or not they wanted to draw down on their super um, to survive and what would that mean and that it's okay that they can go and get another job if they want but my door will always be open, I'm always here. Um, explaining all of that and making sure that they understand that it's going to be fine, We're going to be, it's going to be safe one day um, and you'll always be part of Rowie's Cakes. That's been really, really hard um, for me as an employer um, the other um, thing that I've had to massively come to grips with is um, 
understanding that I actually know what I'm doing when I'm running a business. And I mean, it's really hard because a lot of people out there think I'm some clumsy little creative chick that um, bobs along with the cakes and stuff like that. I actually, actually am really proud that I know what I'm doing. So, um, and that's a big thing for me because 15 years ago, if you were to sort of say, oh, would you know what the financial side of the business would be like I'd say no I'm just going to go off and sell a cake so I'm really proud of that um loving doing my daily spreadsheets as well as my um the mood boards etc but um the other thing on a personal level for me has been the fact that I've found it really hard because I'm now in my 20th year of Rowie's Cakes and I remember the day that I started. Um, I remember when I wrote the story about the kitchen that baked wheat, yeast, gluten and dairy-free all those years ago when I was still working in an advertising agency and it's that feeling of um, I don't, don't quite know how to explain it. It's... Um, and I was trying to explain it to somebody yesterday when I was having one of those bad afternoons and everything, um, and I hope I don't get too emotional, I was saying to myself in the car, you have to promise, Huck, that you're not going to cry. So um, I've just worked so hard for 20 years and it feels like someone's just pulled the friggin' carpet from underneath my feet. And I know that I'll survive. But to see out of my control, and I'm pretty OCD, so I have to be super sorted. Um, to fit that feeling when something is pulling that rug or flying carpet or whatever it is from underneath your feet you just don't know whether you're gonna float stand tall fall over or sink or swim it's really hard to swallow um and because it's everything the business is everything in my blood and my team are and so is my product it's just it's it's kind of like all I want to do is survive. I want to see the planes flying again. I want to, um, you know, I've been, as you would see from Instagram, I've been baking and cooking at home and it's been really, really good for me. And the amount of people that have just sort of said, God, your food, for God's sake. Um, so I'm kind of you know, working on a new concept and it's not it's not a pivot as that word doesn't as um that word's not very kind. Um so it's sort of you've got to go to the next level. So um I just wanna create food by Rowie. Um and that's where my mood boards are going to. Um it's a nudge for me to go to the next level and I I um I really like it. My team likes it. Um, and I'm looking forward to the future. But as I said before, it's just been 
really scary and it's a, as we all know, it's very hard to explain that feeling. Well, before we talk about what that next level is for you, um, as you mentioned earlier, your food is bloody amazing and you wouldn't know that it's dairy-free or wheat-free. Can you tell us sort of the story of um, how you started and and how do you create uh, these amazing products uh, without using what people would traditionally use to make them and make them so good? How I started, um, I started through the, my own curiosity and my own need. Um, I basically had an accident where I got third-degree burns to one hand and second-degree burns to another after I fell into a bucket of wood beside a potbelly stove after the Bledisloe Cup one year. Wow. Um, and, yeah, so I couldn't go to work. Um, for a couple of months I had burns to my hand, burns bandages, and I used to go to hospital every day to get the burns to bright and stuff. And I had a, um, a dictaphone at home, and being that I draw as I do, um, I sort of, you know, I don't know how I did it, but I taped this story about the kitchen that baked wheat, yeast, gluten and dairy-free because just before all of that, I knew that I had intolerances and allergies and stuff and because I wanted my hands to heal without any keloid scarring because I've got that Celtic skin, um, I started to do that through food and, yeah, so that was sort of the curiosity and the need as such. Um, then I had that story about the kitchen that baked wheat yeast, gluten and dairy-free, and I hadn't even called it Rowie's Cakes yet. But, I, you know, as I do, as I draw, I drew the plane, I drew the train, I drew the supermarket, and they're going to be here, here, here. Um, and then um, I went to work and September 11 happened and... I was made redundant and they said, oh, you can stay for a couple of months. We can give you, you know, help you find a new job or whatever. And I said, well, listen, no, I'll actually take the cheque and leave today. So I did and drove to Balmoral Beach and crazy lady walked into the water up to her thighs, threw her shoes as far as she could throw them. Um, The next day I went to... Rydalmere, care of yellow pages of all things, to buy a ream of cake boxes and I came home and painted the big red R and cut it out of the top of a cake box and that was, yeah, 20 years ago and the rest is kind of history. I've still got that cake box in my office at home and I love it. Well, I don't want you to give away your secrets, but what it, what is the secret to making these desserts just so bloody delicious? You've got to um, think like, like. So if you actually, you know, when you walk past a, you walk past a, a French patisserie and you can smell that pastry and the butter. So you want to actually make things that are free of everything, like the real deal, but the. The key to all of that is method, but it's also ingredients. Like um, when I first started, this crazy organic farmer bought in this bag of, um, we are in Marrickville then, bought in this bag of quinoa flour. And it was just prior to getting a 
brief from Qantas. I had this little five kilo bag of quinoa and a little five kilo bag of amaranth sitting in the corner. This would have been like 17 years ago or something. And I was working on trying to create a vegan soy egg-free cake for the airlines and it just wasn't happening. As soon as you put it into the freezer, it would turn into rock and then you try and defrost it and it was still a bit funny and I thought, you know what, it's got to do with the flour. And in one of my books, is, or in, two, in both of them, there's a chapter or one book is all about the power of flour and the other one has got a chapter on the science of flowers. So I got all these gluten-free flowers and I lined them all up a little bit like Professor Julius Sumner Miller and put a little bit of flour in each vessel and then I added like it so like a little bit of water into each of them and I just let that sit for a bit and then I touched it with my fingers and I could actually tell through my own knowledge of cooking and the science of the egg and all of that kind of stuff how each flour would work with each different application and whether or not that would work really well in a sponge, whether or not that would work really well in a slice, whether or not that would work well in pastry, etc. It was quite fascinating. So through that, um, that's how I've developed all of my recipes and it's just probably my own creative, you know, crazy old, um, thinking that makes things like that. Like I love, I look at trending things. At the moment, my favourite product that we do here is um, my sour cherry and chocolate brownie. That's just beautiful. And that's all about how you melt the chocolate and how you fold everything together, but it's also about the crunch. So, because you want to, you've got the fresh cherries underneath, but you want to taste that crunch of that really nice crisp sour cherry and that just conjures up some really nice I wish I could send stuff to you through the phone but I can't (laughs) I wish you could too (laughs) Uh, I've been baking this morning so we've baked um, this beautiful lemon and passion fruit delicious cake that the boys downstairs are loving Um, yeah it just it just melts in your mouth so, yeah. Well, during your isolation baking, which you've documented so well on Instagram, you know, what were your favourite baking successes? One of my labours of love was some beautiful passion fruit curd, um, which took me about two hours, but it was just um, absolutely fantastic. And then I made this beautiful – I love syrup cakes. Syrup cakes to me are kind of better than curries. Or they're like, you've got to treat them like a curry. You've just got to let them, you know, soak it up for a couple of days. Um, So I did a beautiful pistachio. um, It was like an Arabian love cake. It was absolutely beautiful. That was back in the, the beginning of COVID when I really didn't want to know. I didn't want to turn on the news. So I have developed a habit of listening to folk and indie music in other languages so I don't have to hear all the noise of the bad news. What do you love about what you do? That's not an easy question. Probably one I can probably answer instantaneously, but I get to express my creativity Um, and I get to grow a brand that I know that can one day 
be, um, as John Sussman would say, you know, world domination. I want Rowie's Cakes to be a household name in Australia. So, um, yeah. So I love being able to express myself creatively through my food, through my recipes and through my um, design skills and branding and everything that through my eye. Yeah. A little earlier you said that this whole experience has changed you quite a lot. What have you learnt during this pandemic? I'm persistent. Um, I'm tougher than what I think. And I know what I'm doing. And I've got a lot of people out there in the industry and in my family um, and in my, you know, networking group that are really um, supportive and really like I think that a lot of us that have been in contact through the industry with, with Zoom calls and <laughs> I think I'm a bit sick of Zoom but um, we've all been um, incredibly supportive of each other and it's, you know, it's just like your podcast. It's refreshing to actually listen and listen to and resonate with what everybody's going through because there are a lot of good people out there, like like all of us that are actually just doing their best uh, to try and get through, to survive, to look after their families, look after their staff. Um, and there's also a lot of crappy people out there as well um, that, you know, it's those those people won't get through the weeds um but all of us good folk will you know a little earlier you talked about some clarity that you've had through this time and that there's a um a new sort of way forward for Rowie's cakes um what's what what are the new things that we can look forward to in regards to your offering probably a little bit more food by Rowie. what do you think <laughs> <laughs> So a little bit more food by Rowie and kind of looking at, you know, being not only in the sweet tooth, or not that I was never really a sweet tooth, but not necessarily focusing on desserts, but focusing on, um, you know, that whole whole thing, Um, pies, pastry, savoury, sweet, ready meals, um, you know, anything I can kind of, you know, anything that suits the pantry, suits the table, suits the family, suits the function, suits the outing, but just to have food by Rowie at any time of the day is exactly where I desire to be because I've learnt uh, – a lesson in possibly having a little bit too many eggs in one basket. Um, And although I've been a bit of a one-woman sales band over the past 20 years, um, I've got to diversify out there into more retail. I'd love to own my own shop, 
Um, and yeah, just go for it. You've had a pretty unimaginable impact on your business. Um, but what can people do to help Rowie's Cakes at the moment, whether they're in food service or the general public? Oh, God bless you. Now I am going to cry. Um, just um, support us where you can. Um, I think that once all the restaurants and things start to kick along, I mean, all my customers are so beautiful, so they will support us. Um, and I know we'll get get through all of this, but just, yeah, just support. We're here. We've got gorgeous cakes, gorgeous desserts, breakfast, you know. Um, if you want something specifically developed for your um you know, venue that can um, turn around a certain amount of volume. I'm all ears, um, so and I'm all eyes as well. So, um, yeah, we just all need to support each other, just as I uh, will continue to supply. You know, continue to support my suppliers that have been with me from the day dot, basically, and my gorgeous customers and team. Planes will fly again. Restaurants are opening. Conventions will come back. You know, how will it feel when things return to normal? I am going to crack the biggest, nicest bottle of Ruinart champagne the day <laughs> they actually open those borders um, because I think it's insane. Um I think they've got to do it within the next couple of weeks rather than everybody having this little political discussion between banter between, you know, states. We're an island. So um, the only real issues we have is with um, international residents returning and being in quarantine. I think the country as a whole has done an amazing job of going through the um the evolution of COVID-19 um I think we should be proud of the government actually when we will look back one day I think we should be proud of the way in which they've introduced jobs keeper and at a rapid rate of knots because without the support of that up until the end of September that's the economic stimulus that is keeping businesses like mine alive. Well, Roy, uh, you've been absolutely amazing and I really do hope the planes start flying again soon and uh, Roy's cakes are up in the skies. Um, also looking forward to seeing bricks and mortar. That's a bit exciting, um, perhaps down the track for you. Um, thanks for catching up with us and keeping contact and we'll catch up with you at a later date, no doubt. Uh, thank you, Huck. Um, thanks for doing this you and to you and Rob. It's, um, I think a lot of people in the hospitality industry are eternally grateful for your um, instigation of Deep in the Weeds. And as I was chatting to Jane Highland on Saturday night at our first dinner at Stan Bully, we both said that one of the most supportive things 
um, for the hospitality industry during the pandemic has been deep in the weeds. So congratulations to you and everybody that you've spoken to and to Rob for all you've done to help us breathe easy. Thank you. Thanks, Rowie. We'll speak to you soon. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's HOSPO community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well. 